at some point, I feel like Tyrion's going to get his ass full of those two. You know? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know how else to say true. it. Welcome to Winterfell and I Can't Get Up, the podcast that asks mom what she thinks about Game of Thrones. This is season one, episode number four. I'm Candace Huber, the owner of Chubby and Coo's Mid-City Bookshop in New Orleans, and I've asked my mom, Gail, who has absolutely no knowledge of Game of Thrones, to read the series and record her reactions for all of you. Read along, listen along, and follow my mom's journey through A Song of Ice and Fire, chapter by chapter, as she discovers for the first time just how brutal it can be. When you read Game of Thrones with your mom, you win or you die laughing. In this episode, we cover Tyrion 1, Jon 2, Daenerys 2, and Ned 2 in A Game of Thrones. And now Mom's Watch begins. So we had a lot of chapters this time, Mom. We had four chapters. Yeah. So let's get right into it and start with Tyrion 1. So in this chapter, Tyrion is in the library, he's reading, and a wolf's howl makes him stop, and he obviously knows a lot about books and scrolls and stuff like that, just from the descriptions that they give. So then he walks downstairs and comes across Sander Clegane, whom he refers to as the Hound, and Prince Joffrey, who is complaining about the howling of the wolf. And Clegane is Joffrey's bodyguard, and Tyrion tells Joffrey that he should go offer his support to the Starks, because Bran is sickly or whatever. Yeah, lingering. Lingering. <laughs> and then Joffrey, being the little shit that he is, mm, says, Oh, I cannot abide the wailing of women. And I'm not going to go up there. So we do find out that Bran is not dead yet. Right. And then when he says, I cannot abide the wailing of women, I'm not going to go up there. Tyrion smacks <laughs> him across the face twice. Yeah, and I, I was like, yeah. That. Oh, I, I mean, that was one of my favorite parts. Because I was just like, <laughs> oh my God, that's hilarious. Like he just smacked him across the face and I was like that's somebody needs to do that to that kid more often right because that's what you want to do to him oh, every time he God. says something you're like I want to smack you I know I'm like oh uh uh-uh. uh I'm so glad that he did that and I love that Tyrion is smart like he told Jon Snow earlier you know just because you short in one area doesn't mean you have to be short in all the areas right right <laughs> you know? exactly so I really like that he's smart he educates himself about things and I also like how pretty much everybody just dismisses him because he's oh, a dwarf yeah. and everybody just thinks oh he doesn't know anything he's you know he's a stupid dwarf kind of thing and he's gonna be a force to be reckoned with <laughs> I think because you know he flies under the radar yeah you know and so I think that's gonna be something and let me just say he knows what's going on between Cersei and Jamie. oh he does and it says that like that was later on in the chapter but at some point it says flat out that Tyrion notices a glance between Jamie and Cersei and like you can tell that he doesn't miss much and so after he smacks Joffrey across the face twice which honestly is one of the most satisfying moments so <laughs> far is when he just smacks that kid in the face it's like that is so satisfying he tells him no 
you will go offer your condolences to the Starks and you will tell them that you're praying for them, you little shit. And then Joffrey, of course, runs off. He's like, I'm gonna tell my mom. And Tyrion is like, fine, go. But first you're gonna go tell the Starks your condolences and then you can go tell your mom. And so Joffrey runs off and then Tyrion goes in to join his siblings and their kids for breakfast. And that's when we learn that like Robert's been up all night with Ned over Bran and that Jamie has always been the only one who's been nice to Tyrion. Tyrion says that he's willing to forgive Jamie pretty much anything because Jamie's always been the only one who pays him any attention. And then little Tommen and little Marcella are so cute because they're like, oh, is Bran okay? And Tommen is like, I don't want Bran to die, you know? <laughs> and they're just little kids. Yeah. And Tyrion yeah. says, well, there's been no change. And the Maester thinks that Bran's going to live. Right. And they've been keeping him alive with like honey and water or something right but yeah but the maester thinks he's gonna live and that's when he notices this like glance between his siblings when he's like well the maester thinks bran's gonna live and they have this like moment between jamie and cersei and then Tyrion's like well and also he says though that if bran wakes up he's never gonna walk again his back is broken his legs are shattered his direwolf howls day and night outside the door and the maester tried to like shut the windows and the doors to keep the sound out but then bran got worse Right. And so, like, he's he seems to be better with the direwolf around. With the direwolf around. around. Yeah. And I just don't understand why they don't just bring the doggone direwolf in there with him. <laughs> right. You know, like, I'm like, let him in already. Let him come get in the bed with him. I mean, he loves his direwolf. I, I, that does not make any sense to me. But I must be a bad mom because I used to let the dog <laughs> sleep with y'all. You know what I'm saying? So, whatever. And but then, it obviously makes him better. Like, if he shows signs of improvement with the dog around, it, se- it seems right. like, yeah, just let him in. Like, I don't don't get that either. But then that also brought up a bunch of questions for me too. Like if he does come to, is he going to remember anything? Are they going to try to finish him off before he comes to? Like, I don't know. Yeah, because obviously they have that little glance because they're like, Mm -hmm. oh shit. Like, Like, uh -uh. what's going to happen if he wakes up? Yeah, you know, we we don't want that little little guy talking, right? So I don't know. I feel like there's a lot more questions that come up with, uh uh-oh, is he going to live? So I'm... I mean, I hope he does. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I just don't know what's going to happen if he does. And then, yeah, like you're saying, then Tyrion notices that glance. And then he's like, mm-hmm. They, something's they, going yeah, on. Something yeah, something's going on with them. At some point, I feel like Tyrion's going to get his ass full of those two. You know? <laughs> I mean, I... I don't know how to say it. And they talk about going back to King's Landing and Tyrion says, well, I don't want to go back to King's Landing. I want to go to the wall with Benjen and Jon Snow because I just want to see a wall and piss off the edge of the world or whatever it is that he says. Like, I just kind of want to go. Then he makes like a comment you know, he's being kind of crude. So Cersei takes the kids and is like, I don't want my kids to hear this yeah. stuff you saying or whatever. Yeah. So then it's just him and Jamie, And he makes a comment to Jamie that he hopes Bran wakes up because he would be most interested to hear what he might have to say. Yeah. And Jamie kind of bristles a little bit and is like, oh, Tyrion, you make me wonder what side you're on sometimes, yeah, you know? Yeah. And Tyrion is just like, oh, Jamie, but you know how much I love my family. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Tyrion is just the damn best. I love him. He spent the whole night in the library reading. He smacks Joffrey in the face twice. He talks about he wants to piss off the edge of the world. He pisses Cersei off and he makes snide comments to Jamie. And this is all in like three pages of a chapter. <laughs> and it's like, yes, yeah. give me all the Tyrion now. <laughs> so that's what I, I really, feel about yeah, it. 
Yeah, <laughs> I do. I li- I really like him. Like I said, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him. So no one died in this chapter either. We haven't had any deaths in quite a while, which mm. makes me a little nervous. <laughs> it's like all of a sudden we're going to get like 10 of them. <laughs> it's you know, true. So so, uh, so there were no deaths in this chapter. It was mainly just Tyrion owning everyone. It was awesome. So we're going to move on to John 2. And in this chapter, it's really just like full of like heartwarming, loving things and tearful goodbyes. John is telling everyone bye because he's going to the wall. And it starts with him like kind of thinking about how he's been putting off telling Bran goodbye because Catelyn's been by Bran's side 24-7. And he's afraid of Catelyn because he knows that she hates him pretty much. And she treats him like crap and he just doesn't want to go in there. But now he's like leaving and he's out of time. And so he has to go visit Bran. And Catelyn has just been by Bran's side the whole time because like we talked about he's kind of her favorite yeah and so he goes to visit bran and catelyn just like does not want him there she's like go away i don't want you in here and john is pretty defiant though and stands up to her and is like no i want to say bye to bran I was really mad at her, you know, for treating him at, like yeah, that, for treating him so terribly. And, you know, here he is. He, he wants to just come tell his little brother goodbye because yep. he doesn't know if he's going to ever see him again. Right. And he's thinking I'll probably won't ever see him again. And so I just want to at least tell him goodbye and that I love him or whatever. And she wasn't having it, you no. know, and then he was like, I'm going to tell him goodbye, whether you like it or not. I'm doing this. And then right when you think she's going to maybe be a little nice to him. She's not. She's not. I wanted to really smack her across (laughs) her face. I was like, why would you say that to that boy? Like, he's like, oh, she's going to say like, thank you or oh, whatever. Well, because she starts kind of talking about like John says this like tearful goodbye to Bran. He's like tearing up. And Catelyn starts kind of just talking out loud and saying that she prayed for Bran to stay with her so her prayers have been answered, right, you know, maybe right. not in the way she wanted, blah, blah, blah. And John's just trying to, like, comfort her, and he feels really awkward, and right. he's like, oh, but it's not your fault, like, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. And you do, you kind of think they're gonna have, like, a moment, a moment. and instead mm-hmm. she's just like, I don't need mm-hmm. your absolution, this should have been you Right, instead. I wish it would have been you And instead. it's like, oh, oh. shit, like, <laughs> like that that's was so mean. Wrong. Yes, that is so mean. I was so upset. I was like, what does she have to gain by being so mean to that poor kid? He didn't do anything. He didn't ask to be in that situation. No. He didn't ask to be born to, you know, a bastard. He didn't ask for any of that. It's like, get over it. I just want to say, get over it. Ned married you, didn't he? Ned is loyal to you, isn't he? He's with you. Nothing about this little boy, you know? Right. And you are just being a bitch, basically. That's it. And at the end of that little scene, I was like, oh, uh uh. That's so mean. And it was just unnecessarily mean. Unnecessarily mean. And I get, don't get me wrong, understand, she's been up for. I don't even know how many nights in a row. I know she's not eating. She's not sleeping. She's worried to death over Bran. It doesn't give you the right to be a bitch. Yeah, it really does not. And when John leaves there, he goes to tell Rob goodbye. And he does. He tells Rob goodbye. And then he makes one last stop to Arya. And it was like, oh, Oh. 
This, they're so cute. I know. I love, love, love their relationship. I think that's awesome. And they really, there's such a camaraderie there, you know, yeah. with them, uh, a kinship. And I love how Nymeria is like helping her, well, repack because she had packed and she's like, <laughs> the Scepter said I did it all wrong. All right. I didn't do it right the first time. So right. now I'm back. And, and the dire wolf is like bringing her stuff. <laughs> she's kind of just like throwing it in there. Yeah. And I yeah, was like, oh my was gosh, cute. this is great. Yeah. Then you really think, uh, I don't know. She's she's so upset because she thinks she's not going to get to say goodbye to anybody. Right. And then he shows up and, and then he, of course, gives her the, the needle. sword. You yeah. Know, it's called the needle. Well, and so. it's it's funny how you find that out because it's he gives her this like small skinny sword. Right. And he's like, oh, look, it's small and skinny like you. And the first thing he tells her, he's like, okay, here's your first lesson. Stick them with the pointy end. <laughs> and then she's like, John, I know you know how to stick them with the pointy right. end or whatever. And then he tells her, like, you better hide the sword from the Scepter and from Sansa. Right. Because you need to make sure that they don't see it. Make sure you practice every day. Make yourself strong. You know, like, he's telling her, like practice and then he says all the best swords have names and Arya's like oh well, what's this sword's name and he kind of teases her and he's like oh it's your favorite thing yeah, yeah. needle <laughs> <laughs> yeah which was funny she's like oh you you know but then she warms up to it and it was cute and I again I keep wondering how many people she's gonna prick with that needle right? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> well he just says something about how like it won't cut through bone or it won't cut anyone in half but you could poke a lot of holes in somebody oh, yeah, with it you know yeah, so. and then she's like oh that's all I need to do you yeah. know yeah so I love 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 their relationship I, I hope I get to see more of that again I can't wait for her to become a <laughs> warrior woman I just cannot wait I know it's coming and I can't wait you know? it's like come on come on so I hope she well, she's John, only nine still so. I know I'm probably got a long way to go but you know I'm hoping she and John will be able to fight side by side and protect each other that yeah. was a good little chapter too. it was and it was just short but it was like so heartwarming it was like oh mm-hmm. all these goodbyes they were all tear felt and yeah it was just so sincere again there were no deaths or anything but both of these chapters were good i think expressions of the characters you know we got to know a little bit more about these yes people. yes especially with john it was good to see that sweet side of him i mm-hmm. think he's a good kid and in the next two chapters, there's a lot more to talk about. So <sighs> let's yep. move on. So next, we're going to talk about the second Daenerys chapter. And mom apparently has a lot to say about this <laughs> chapter. So in this chapter, Danny is getting ready to marry Khal Drogo, who has at this point kind of gone off with his Khalasar and left Danny, Viserys, Illyrio, and Jorah Mormont just kind of at his estate. And we find out that Mormont, after that last party they were at, swore a sword to Viserys that same night of the party. And so he's kind of been hanging out ever since then. Viserys gets impatient and kind of wonders like, well, how long am I going to have to wait before the Khal gets me my throne? Because the whole point of doing this is to like gain an army and he He's getting really impatient and both Jorah and Illyrio keep saying like the Dothraki do things in their own time. You kind of just have to like wait for them and Viserys just doesn't feel like waiting. And at this point, Daenerys recalls a dream she had where Viserys is like hitting her and hurting her and saying over and over, you woke the dragon 
and she closes her eyes and there's this ripping sound. And when she opens her eyes, Viserys is gone. And in his place are these great columns of fire. And in the midst of them is a dragon. And this is just a dream that she has that she recalls. And mom doesn't really know this yet, but fans probably know that Daenerys' dreams are very important. So I will tell you, this is why we're even talking about what she dreams about, because Mm -hmm. her dreams are always important. And so then at the wedding, they place Viserys like underneath Daenerys and the call and he hates that. I absolutely love that. And <laughs> I, I thought, because he is such a dick. I can't stand him. <laughs> I mean, he just is. And it's like my feelings wouldn't be hurt if he got killed off at some point very soon. But <laughs> then we wouldn't have much of a story, right? right. So we got, we got to have that because it, it needs to be interesting. I just feel like everybody needs somebody to hate in a story. This is this is his role, right? Mm-hmm. So we just have to love to hate him. And I thought it was wonderful that they put him off to the side or whatever under, you know, Daenerys. Daenerys yeah. And that she's getting all the attention and she's the one that everybody's going, oh, ooh, and an on over. And he's just like the dog on the side yeah. and, and not getting any attention. And, and I just feel like that's, awesome because he's getting a taste of his own medicine he's always wanting to be important oh don't wake the dragon all that business but i just cannot stand him (laughs) he's the dog that he needs to be on the side he's just a freaking pig i can't stand him so why don't i tell you how i really feel about him But I feel like it's great that Danny is getting the attention that she deserves. I feel like it, she's going to be more important, of course, than yep. Viserys with the Dothraki. I always say yeah, that. Yeah, she's like too. the queen now. And yeah. yeah, I think Viserys is going to try to steal some of her thunder at some point. Or he's always trying to manipulate her some oh, kind yeah. of way, try to get something out of that, right? Where, oh, basically he'll make her pay for selling her off oh yeah which i don't know what's gonna happen with that but i just am hoping the other thing is with called drogo at first i just thought he was this horrible terrible mean big dude right but then you find out that he's really not and i think that's great too so i keep thinking he's really not that bad of a guy i think he really does like danny yeah he's gonna end up wanting to be protective of her and then he's gonna beat the shit out of her I can't wait for that page. Right? <laughs> I am like, I cannot wait for him to take on Kyle Drogo because he is going to eat shit and die. <laughs> so I just can't wait. I thought that was great. The whole wedding scene stuff. Yeah. Well, Danny, Danny's feeling really alone at this wedding, like in the midst of this party. And it's not a regular party, by the way. Oh, like, what did you think of this Dothraki wedding? And that's, that's what I, that's why I was bringing it up because I'm like, okay, so then they had this whole wedding thing, right? This whole celebration. And these men just start grabbing these dancing women and having them right there on the floor. And it's like a big orgy right yep and i just was a little worried because at this point you're still not sure about kyle drogo and i was so worried that he was going to do that to her that he was just going to grab her and throw her on the floor and have her right there to like pretty much show she's my this woman mine, and yeah. you don't take her and i was so glad when it didn't happen i was like <laughs> oh thank god it did not happen i was really glad about that i felt like he was really nice to her and everything i love that they came there's lots of fight to the death too yeah like, fight to the death and Illyrio told 
Daenerys that a Dothraki wedding without, without at least three deaths <laughs> is a dull affair yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And Danny was like, oh, well, I must be especially blessed because there's at least a dozen men that have died at this wedding because they just keep fighting and having sex and like, a, it's just like, what is even going on? Right. And it was, it was crazy. <laughs> and she keeps telling herself over and over again because she's really anxious and she feels really alone and she just keeps telling herself over and over again, I am the blood of the dragon. I am the blood of the dragon. I am the blood of the dragon. And it's one of these things where it's like, that is such a good motto. Like mm. now when I'm like out and about and I'm feeling anxious, tell yourself, I am the blood of the freaking dragon. I will be fine, you know? Yes. And it's like, oh yeah, like that's just a good motto. And well, then, and then of course she's worried about what's going to happen after they go home. Right? Oh, with good reason. Because like I said, he's like a big ogre and you don't know what the heck he's capable of at right. this point. So I just thought that was going to be cute. I thought it was cute rather than that they really can't communicate, right? He just knows how to say no. And she's like, and she's uh, like okay, okay. Yeah, whatever. What yeah. does that mean? And then she gets the dragon egg. At the wedding, yeah, she At starts the... getting gifts, gifts towards the right, end. Yeah. Right. So Viserys gives her three handmaids to help her with yeah. kind of like different aspects of her life. Mormont, Jor Mormont gives her a stack of history books, which he's like, you know, I can't afford much, but she seems to really appreciate the books. And Illyrio gives her these dragon eggs, which are like beautiful, they look like they're jeweled and all this stuff and they're really heavy and Illyrio says that time has turned them into stone right. but they're just these like beautiful objects and since Targaryen mascot or whatever is the dragon Danny is really excited about her yeah dragon. like the dragon eggs are supposedly no good well right. I don't believe that for a second right? <laughs> so I'm like really you give a three eggs okay that means something like the number three always means something and then the other thing is they keep talking about how the, all the dragons are dead all the dragons are dead they do well so surely these are gonna hatch surely there will be dragons and the other thing that i thought was great was when he gives her the horse when Khal drogo gives yes. her the horse yes. as his gift and then she takes off right ron and it's like the best thing and ever. she gets like, showered she, with lots of gifts yeah. too from the dothraki people yeah the horse has a silver mane he says to like match her hair, her hair. Yes. and yeah she like just gets on the horse and takes off yeah and they all like it they're like hooping and hollering when she takes off on the horse yeah that was a really good chapter I thought you learn more about Khal Drogo you see her with him and at the end of that chapter you realize how nice Khal Drogo really is yeah her. and like you know, on their like wedding he's... night when they kind of like go off they, they both ride off on their horses and stuff and then Danny's really nervous and afraid and he can kind of tell even though he can't right. speak the same language which he can kind of tell and he's like okay and so he's very gentle with her and he just kind of starts slow and what I really liked and what made me be like you know I like you Khal Drogo yeah. is when he kind of started like more intense kind of sexual stuff and then he like looks at her and he stops and he goes no, no. like a question <laughs> yeah. like do you want me to do, do this right. or not right. and then she's like yes, yes. no it's okay yeah. because now she likes him and like yeah. he started stuff and she's yeah. like no we're gonna finish this now but I liked that. I really felt like it was a question and he would like if she would have said no, no he, wouldn't he have, wouldn't have done you know, anything. And I was like, I, I like that. I agree. I felt like he really respected her. Yeah. That he understood, like you said, that she was scared to death and had never done this before. Yeah. And I didn't know what this was about. He really was very gentle and took care of her. And just another reason why I think he's going to be protective of her. Yeah. You know, and I feel like he really likes her and that, I don't know. I feel like he is a really good man deep down he's a good guy and yes he might be a bad dude on the war field you know yeah. 
whatever because he's doing whatever he's got to do there right he's he's getting the job done out there but then I feel like he's probably a fair person and a lot of it's their culture like the Dothraki culture as you see through this whole wedding is like open sex and death and whatever like I'm just gonna kill all these people and like oh yeah seize the day you know exactly and so that's just like part of their culture too but like you're kind of expecting him to just like force himself on her and like just take her and that's it because that's what they're all doing at the wedding right and then he doesn't do that and then you're kind of like oh like cool I like you (laughs) you know like you're pretty cool Khal Drogo you're not a total asshole like most people in the story (laughs) yeah well and you fully expect him to be because of how they describe him from the beginning yeah so you fully expect him to be and he's not and so I like that little twist Mm -hmm. you know that he's he's really not so like I said the day that him and Viserys <laughs> go toe to toe and I'm sure Khal Drogo will chop his head off <laughs> I'm gonna enjoy every word of that but again the death toll we don't know the Dothraki kill a bunch of people at the wedding but no one super important dies so I'm gonna go ahead and say zero even though they're killing people left and right in this <laughs> chapter and so finally our last chapter is the second Ned chapter and there's a lot to talk about in this chapter as well so in this chapter they've left winterfell they're like out on the road on the king's road and robert gets ned up like super early in the morning and ned is like are you serious like okay i guess i'll go put my clothes on so that we can like ride off because robert says i don't want to talk here we got to go ride off yeah we because i have like official business or whatever to talk to you about so they ride off and as they're riding robert asks ned oh hey can you remind me of the name of john snow's mom and ned says that her name was i don't know if it's willa or wyla it's w-y-l-l-a i'm gonna say willa Ned says, like, oh, her name was Willa. And Robert sort of, like, pushes Ned to tell him more. But Ned, again, just kind of gets salty and says, like, no, I don't want to talk about it. And then Robert is like, okay, dude, I guess if you really don't want to talk about it. I was a little disappointed there. Because I was really hoping. You're like, ooh, we're going to find out more. we're going to find out a little bit more. And I was like, "Mm, nope. Nothing. Nothing. Leave me hanging Well, we do find out, like, he says her name's Willa or whatever. And so we know that it's not who Catelyn thinks it is. Yes. At least, because Catelyn thinks that it's Ashara Dean, and that's not who Ned says. No. So we at least know that little piece of information. That it's not who Catelyn thinks it is, but other than that, we don't even have a last name. Like, we learn pretty right. much nothing. And then Robert tells Ned, after they, like, go off into the woods, that there was, like, a rider in the middle of the night from Lord Varys whom we learn is a eunuch and the king's, quote, master of whisperers. And the message says that Daenerys Targaryen has married a Dothraki warlord. And Ned is like, where does this information come from? And Robert says it comes from Sir Jorah Mormont, who we learn is a spy. And Ned has a lot of disdain for Mormont because he was a bannerman to the Starks and he dishonored the North when he tried to sell those people into slavery. Mm -hmm. And so Ned is like, oh, I don't like him or whatever. And Robert says, well, it's better to have him as a spy or whatever. And he's anxious to earn a royal pardon so that he can come back from exile. So like, we're just going to use him. Yeah, let's use him as long as we can. As long as we can, because why not? And then Robert is like, I don't like this marriage. I'm going to send somebody to kill the Targaryens. And then we get a history lesson here. It's like, er, 
rewind. We're going to go back in time. Ned and Robert got into a big fight during the Battle of the Trident, which is when Robert won his seat on the throne. And they got into this fight because Tywin Lannister who is the dad of the Lannisters, brought the corpses of Rhaegar Targaryen's wife and children to Robert as like a token of fealty. Like here's a bunch of dead bodies of all the Targaryens. And Ned really didn't like it because he's like, this is child murder. Mm -hmm. I'm not okay with murdering children. Children. And Robert Robert. is like, I didn't see babes. I only saw dragon spawn. He's very averse to the Targaryens. And then we learn that during, they had that fight, Ned like rode off and was like, F you, I don't like the child killing. And he didn't talk to Robert again until Lyanna, his sister, died. And then the grief kind of over her passing brought them together again. So Ned did not like the child killing. Robert was okay with it though, because he was like, Targaryen, kind of don't count so then like fast forward present day Ned still doesn't like child murder and he protests and he says I don't think you should be killing the Targaryen girl Daenerys because she's like just a kid and I don't think that's cool and Robert gets mad at him and is like well she ain't gonna be a child for much longer she's gonna be popping out babies and like whatever and I want to kill every single Targaryen and piss on their graves and he's like I should have killed them years ago but John Aaron taught me out of it and I am mad that I listened to him because I should have killed them years ago and now he's really worried because Khal Drogo has supposedly a hundred thousand men in his horde and he's like they're gonna ride off and they're gonna unseat me and blah 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 and he's like real nervous about it right and Ned says that the Dothraki though they have no ships and they hate and fear the open sea they won't go on water right and Ned is like they can't get over here because they're not gonna go on water they can't like ride across water on their horses so they're not really a threat to you so there's really no need for you to kill this kid and Robert is like no I don't like the idea the houses who fought on Targaryen's side are still not really that loyal to me. They're kind of just biding their time. Mm -hmm. And like, if any Targaryen shows back up, then those people are just going to go join them, especially if they show up with a Dothraki horde. All those houses that fought for them before are going to go back and fight for them again. They're going to sell me out in a heartbeat. I don't like any of this. Right. But Ned is like, I don't think child killing is good. But then, and this is what I think mom has the most to say about, is that Ned says that Robert has to name a new warden of the East to replace John Aaron. And Robert says, well, I don't want that a six-year-old being warden of the East, especially with like Dothraki. We don't know what's going on. So I don't want a six-year-old doing it. And we kind of learn that he's promised that post to Jamie Lannister. And to Ned, this sort of confirms the rumors that Jamie is the Kingslayer because he's like, oh, you owe something to Jamie. And this is kind of you paying him back. Mm-hmm. And Robert's like, well, if Jamie wouldn't have murdered the king, one of us would have had to. Right. And Ned is like, yeah, but we weren't part of the King's Guard who was supposed to protect the, the king. king. Right. And Jamie was so like he shouldn't have killed the king being part of the king's guard so they have that whole conversation and then ned's like can you even trust jamie i don't like it because tiwa lannister is already warden of the west and jamie is like gonna take up that post and it's too much power the lannisters would have literally half the army of the land Mm -hmm. if they had both the east and the west well he doesn't say that but that's what he's thinking is that Mm -hmm. it's like i don't want the lannisters to have half the army like that's not good and he's like can you even trust Jamie and Robert's like I mean I don't see why not Jamie helped me win the throne and then that's when they talk about well he was in the king's guard before 
and he screwed over that king. So yeah, who's to why say wouldn't it, why wouldn't he's he not going to do the same to right. you? And so I think in all of this chapter too, you kind of see the differences between Ned and Robert, right? Yeah. So you get to see Ned is sort of a man of integrity. You know what I'm right. saying? Like He's like, okay, I'm not going to kill a kid. I also think that he thinks about his little girls, I guess, you know? And yeah. like Robert doesn't even consider any of that. He just sees them as Targaryens that are lower than a snake's belly, you know, as far as he's concerned. Yeah. And that they all should be dead. And I don't like that. There's serious I guess fundamental differences between Ned and Robert yeah so you get to see that here and then you also see where like Robert doesn't think far enough ahead he's not too smart he's not not. like he's not a very smart guy he might look like a king he might act like a king but he don't think like a king yeah whereas I feel like Ned does Ned's like you're not thinking you can't do this right and he's like yeah well I am so and I'm the king and you can't tell the king what to do and he Which is weird because that's the point of being the hand of the king is to kind of advise the king. Right. So it's like. But then he doesn't want to listen to him and he's very arrogant about things. He is. When he talks to Ned now, Ned's beneath him or whatever. But yet he's trying to honor him by making him the hand. But it's really not an honor at all, you know. And then he doesn't want to listen to Ned whenever Ned tries to tell him. At this point, I really don't like Robert. Yeah, I don't blame you. He's not great. I feel like you're not very smart. You're not a very nice man because you're willing to kill children and do whatever it is that you got to do in order for you to hold on to your post. And then you also see where maybe at one time when him and Ned fought together, he was a good warrior, but now he's just want to live like a king and do the king stuff. And I don't want to ever have to give that up because I got the sweet life. But also I don't want to have to do any of the work, right? Like he just wants to be able to like screw women and eat food and like whatever, like hang around. Right. And and y'all do all my dirty work but I want to I want to still life right I want the power yeah. yeah and then like you said when they were talking about Jamie being the Kingslayer that was important I thought because oh, yeah. I'm like Ned is so right about this if him or Robert would have killed the king that's a completely different story than being on the King's Guard where you're supposed to be looking out for the king not killing him and exactly who's to say he won't do the same to you Robert he's gonna get the east and the west yeah and then just kill you and then because he'll have half the army yeah you know and then he'll just kill you so why not but Robert just can't see that so I don't know what's gonna happen there but at this point I just don't like Robert yeah and we did get Another history lesson that I thought was interesting that also during the Battle of the Trident when like they're talking about all of this, you learn that the Lannisters didn't really choose a side in this battle. They kind of stayed neutral the whole time. They didn't really fight with Robert, but they didn't really fight with the Targaryens either. They kind of just like bided their time until the very end when they pretty much knew Robert was going to win. Right. And then Tywin showed up at King's Landing with his whole army and told Aerys Targaryen, oh, I'm coming to pledge my army to you and so Mad King Aerys lets him in and is like yeah like you showed up with this army Robert's winning now you're coming with your army so like we can win and he lets Tywin in and then they They, kill him all and so the Lannisters just betrayed King Aerys in a lot of different ways and Tywin kind of did this shady thing and then Jaime was on the King's Guard and killed the King anyway so the Lannisters like are shady right they did all this shady stuff and Ned just does 
was not like the way that the whole battle was handled. It was a lot of treachery. There was no honor in it. Right. You know, Ned's all about honor. Yeah. And he tells Robert, like, there was no honor in the way your throne was won, dude. Like, this was shady. It was treacherous. I don't like it. Then he tells Robert that, like, you know, when I got there, Jamie was sitting on the Iron Throne. You know, he was part of the King's Guard. He turned on Eris, and then he's sitting on the Iron Throne when I show up. And I was like, what? And then Jamie says something like, oh, I was just testing it out or something. And Robert doesn't seem to care about that. He's like, eh, Jamie was all of 17. Like, of course he wanted to sit on the throne, whatever. It's no big deal. He didn't do anything but sit in it. Like, who cares? And, oh, Jamie says it's uncomfortable. Right. And Robert was like, I mean, it's true. It is uncomfortable. So, like, whatever. He was all of 17. He was just being a kid or whatever. And Ned is like, "Mm, I don't like it. There's all this treachery. There's no honor in it. They were shady. And then he's sitting on the throne when I show up in there. Mm, I don't think that's good. And Robert's just like, whatever. And he kind of brushes Ned off and then, like, rides off on him or whatever. And then Ned, at the very end of the chapter, is just thinking, like, man, I do not want to be here. I should be in Winterfell with Catelyn and Bran. I do not want to be doing this with Robert. I can't influence Robert. He's not going to listen to me. I know he just wants me here to do his dirty work. I belong in Winterfell. I don't belong here. But then he says, a man can't always be where he belongs. Right. And then it's just like, oh, I feel so bad for you, Ned. Man. Yeah, like, this sucks, too. dude. It's frustrating. It's yeah. very frustrating. At the end of that chapter, you're frustrated because you're just like, okay, I'm right there with you, partner. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. I get it. And it sucks to be you right now. Yeah, it really does. And so, again, the death toll is zero for this whole entire thing. There were no deaths outside of the Dothraki killing a bunch of people at their wedding. wedding, But no one important died. Again, it's been a while since we've had any deaths at all. So, moving on to our last segment to help a mother out. And this will be really short this time because we actually didn't meet that many new characters. I don't think we met any. The only people that we met that were sort of new were Daenerys' handmaids got introduced. Eerie. Jiqui and Doria. I don't know how you pronounce those names, but she got these three handmaids. And so we can presume they'll be around. And then Khal Drogo's Blood Riders, Hago, Koholo, and Kotho. Again, all these weird names. But they were, like, at the wedding and we sort of met them. They gave Daenerys weapons that she, like, traditionally refused and gave to Khal Drogo or whatever. His blood riders, we can also assume, will be around. Other than that, it was all people that we kind of already knew. And then the following people were mentioned, but we didn't meet them. So Willa or Wyla, who Ned said was Jon Snow's mother. And we don't really know if she's alive or dead or like whatever, but she got mentioned. And then Lord Varys, who is the king's master of whisperers. And then at the end of this segment, people are a little bit more spread out. So Robert the Lannisters, Sander Clegane slash the Hound, Ned, Sansa, and Arya are all on the road to King's Landing. So they're not at King's Landing yet, but they're on their way there. Benjen, John, Catelyn, Bran, and Rob are still at Winterfell, but John is about to leave Winterfell with Benjen and Tyrion for the Wall. And then Daenerys, Viserys, Khal Drogo, Illyrio, and Jorah Mormont are outside of Pentos with the Dothraki. And the death toll was zero for this whole segment outside of historical ones mentioned. And so that is our show. Listen next time as we discuss Tyrion 2, Catelyn 3, and Sansa 1. You can catch us every Friday on iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, 
Stitcher, and tubbyandcoos.com. If you like our show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. It really helps us to spread the word. Also, ratings really help as well. So even if you don't want to write a review, just leave a rating. All of that helps. And, of course, when you're sitting around discussing Game of Thrones with your friends or whoever, mention that there's this great new podcast that they should listen to and send them our way. You can also find a recap of this week's podcast at www.tubbyandcoos.com slash podcast. And you can follow the store on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Instagram, at Tubby and Coos, spelled out. To keep up with all of our work, hit us up and let us know what you think as you read or listen along. We love to hear from you, but no spoilers, please. Mom, of course, has not read any of this yet, and we don't want her to see anything that she shouldn't be seeing. And that is it. I'm Candace Huber. And I'm the mom. And now Mom's Watch has ended. 